Driverless cars have been in the movies and on TV since the 70s. Remember Knight Rider and his car, the Knight Industries 2000, or Kit, if you prefer. Michael, what do you think of a stunt where I could somersault end over end? It's never been done before. Or better still, how about a flaming chariot? We could set my wheels on fire and do a jump. At night, it could be quite spectacular, don't you think? Can't do anything about me. I think you better consider reprogramming him. Driverless cars will be on the roads of our country in the near future, and following the cars will be lawsuits over auto accidents. That's certain. What's not certain is who will pay for the damages. Joining us in the studio is Eric Gordon, professor at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. Thanks for coming in, Eric. Oh, it's nice to see you, Jim. So driverless cars don't get drunk or speed or text or a myriad of other things, but they'll still get into accidents. So... The car's owner, the manufacturer, the software developer, who's going to be responsible for the damages? You know, the the most likely answer and the most sensible answer is that initially it'll be the manufacturer of the car. Now, the way the law works, the manufacturer will turn around and sue everybody else, try to blame it on the software person or the person who did the chip. But initially it's likely to be the manufacturer because... Well, who else will it be? If, if there's nobody driving the car, there's nobody who's negligent. There's nobody failing to keep a lookout. There's nobody who's, you know, playing with a radio when they should be looking at the road. So the only person left standing is going to be the manufacturer. And it's not a big leap legally under the sort of the products liability law as it's developed for the last 30 or 40 years. Eric, does that mean that if I'm driving a driverless car, I will no longer have to have insurance? You know, uh, there will be. You'll still want to have liability insurance because there could be some stuff that you could do wrong. Um, you, you, you will probably have some way of overriding. You know, as a safety feature, there have to be a way of overriding the automatic stuff. So, I, I think you'll have liability insurance. Um, but the cost, the direct cost to you will go down. You're still going to pay for it because it's going to be rolled into the price of the car. There still could be an element of human error, such as a person crossing against a light. So how will liability be decided? What will have to be proved in a court case? You know, it has to be some defect in the actual car mechanism and how it's manufactured or how it was designed. You know, maybe it was manufactured just the way it was supposed to, but it was designed poorly. But uh, there has to be some defect in the car because, yeah, there, there, there always can be crazy things. There could be a drunk person or a college student. I live in college town, and college students tend to sort of randomly wander out into the streets. Um, there, there's probably no mechanism, human or autonomous, uh, that can be held responsible for something that you, you really can't prevent. Somebody jumps in front of you. So th- there'll have to be something that was wrong. It won't be there's damage, the car company pays for it. You're going to look for a defect in how the car is manufactured. You're going to look for a defect in how the software was designed. Um, or it, there's something that I, I think is going on now maybe with Tesla. Uh, there's going to have to be some sort of misleading statements from the car company about how risky it is. So, you know, this came up with Tesla is autopilot misleading people into thinking it's really an autopilot where you don't have to pay attention. So, you know, there has to be something that was wrong with the car.
Just as now there has to be something with the way you're driving. You're driving down the street and you're in an accident. You're not liable just because you were driving. Well, Eric, let me sort of ask the question in a different way. If two driverless cars get in a crash, by definition, is one of those two cars going to be at fault? <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe we'll have no fault amongst uh, autonomous cars as we have with drivers now um, uh, so that uh, it'll be up to the companies to battle back and forth. Um, but, you know, if it's two cars, two autonomous cars, you know, if they're properly designed, one or the other of them should have stopped. Um, but I think the liability will work an awful lot like it works with the drivers. So think about this. There's a car that has a defect and it's going through an intersection where it should have stopped. It collides with another car. If the other car even though it wasn't initially at fault, could have avoided the accident and didn't, it's the famous last clear chance doctrine in law, you know, maybe the second car is liable. So, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have to see a lot of uh, big changes in legal theory, um, but it, it's going to be kind of weird because we're talking about machines. Will it be the courts that decide the liability standards or state laws being passed? So, uh, so far, it looks as if it's going to be courts relying on state law. Um, and, and the laws hopefully won't be that different from state to state. But they're, they're a little different from state to state now when it's, when it's drivers. The federal government has not stepped in, and NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, uh, the government regulatory agency, so far has said that, no, um, it's not going to step in and try to preempt and have a national rule. It is, so far, going to leave it with the states. So it'll be the same kind of patchworky thing that we now have uh, with human beings. The, the, I mean, should the machines be treated any better than human beings? And is all this complicated enough that we should worry that it might actually delay the introduction of or the widespread introduction of driverless cars? You know, uh, I think what's going to happen is that the, the insurance companies are going to catch up because at the end of the day, this is an insurance question. Who's going to carry the big insurance? Uh, and uh, if it's going to be the manufacturers who are most likely to be liable, they're going to carry the big policies. And the insurance companies are going to bid for that business. So they, they have a lot of reason to sort it out. Uh, the system might actually end up being sort of cheaper per person because the, uh, the, if the car companies are buying the insurance, you know, they're buying it in bulk. About 30 seconds here. What about laws like the safe distance between vehicles differing from state to state? Suppose the states can't get it together. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I think the cars are going to have to know where they are. Of course, no geolocating. They'll have GPS systems, and they'll have to be programmed so that when you go from state to state, your 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 program sort of changes the way you go from you know 50 miles an hour to 25 miles an hour. The cars will have to adjust, and they'll have to do it automatically. It sounds very complex to me, Eric, and uh, sounds like we have a while to go to figure this out. Thanks so much. That's Eric Gordon. He's a professor at both the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. Double threat.